everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. I'm Kev, and given that it's been a while since we've been about, I'll reintroduce you to Tony, who is with us this month. Hello. And James. Hello. Looking a bit bleary-eyed, James, having brought a new one into the world. Hope all is well at home. All is well, if you don't like sleep. <laughs> We're fully expecting uh, his name to be James Colin, but that's not the case, which is disappointing, but... Um, you know, oh, my name's James, so... We'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll let that be. Uh, Tony, how are you? I'm uh, getting there, Kev. Getting there, Kev. Uh, I'm feeling really good today. Good stuff. Uh, okay, we will um, cover the following in this uh, episode. We'll start with a chat about what's going on in the community. Then we'll review an event for last month for uh, the football club. We'll have a chat about the ongoing goalkeeper situation. We've got a couple of players that we're going to focus on beyond that. There's a debate going around on social media about James Collins versus Steve Howard. I'll get the boys' views on that. Uh, we'll preview the matches to come and we'll finish off uh, by covering a few football issues and uh, the latest goings on with the trust. Uh, Tony, we'll start with you though. We'll start with the community talk and in the programme notes... Um, that Gary Sweet wrote for the Leicester programme. He confirmed that the Section 106 agreement has been signed with the council. Uh, a very, very, very positive update. Oh, excellent news. It's what we've all been waiting for. Uh, and it means there's uh, definite progress there. Obviously, that's kick-started the uh, six-week period where uh, any objector can uh, lodge for a... Uh, uh, a JR uh, judicial review um, so we're waiting for that but um, I believe the date for that, the final day is the 5th of November um, haven't heard anything so far so hopefully that will continue to be the case but it is excellent news remember, remember the 5th of November <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just hope it goes by quietly really I don't imagine it will do. I, I think that what you just said, perhaps, you know, given the uh, a lot of people in the community's feelings against capital and regional, maybe that line, gunpowder, treason and plot, uh, has some significance. <laughs> the, return, the return of Guy Fawkes. <laughs> and it's a, re just, it's a really good, uh, good news. I wrote about perspective on your website, uh, your excellent website, which we'll plug again. Um, has he got a website? Yeah, he has, <laughs> unbelievably. Although anybody. Keep very quiet about it. Yeah, you might not realise for the last week or so he's uh, been conspicuous by his absence, but we'll let him off. Uh, but no, but really good news, the news that we've been waiting so long for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it is the final step. It's um, a six-week wait. We're a good few weeks into that now. And like I say, we just all hope that it comes out with a good resolution. I, I just can't imagine that it, it that CNR will sit back and do nothing, to be honest. And I think we're all expecting that, you know, five weeks, six days, and then 23 hours, they'll stick in a, a, a complaint and uh, get up, up for a judicial review. The, the hope, I suppose, is that it just gets looked at and thrown out for being a waste of time. Mm. Because if it doesn't, then um, it's going to have to go through that process and that will delay it even longer, which is their main goal anyway. I think they know they can't I win. Think, I, th I think that's quite clear, James. Yeah. It's pure, if they go for it, it'll be purely a delaying tactic yeah. because they can't change the decision now. No, exactly. And But more than just a delaying tactic, it's going to cost you and I money. 
Yeah. And that's the main thing. People need to, if that happens, people need to get properly angry with it. I, I, th- I suspect, I think we've, you know, we've, we've criticized them in that up to this point quite heavily, you know, cause, cause of the, for those reasons they've been delaying and, mm. and well, delaying. I think as we said before, both you and I, James, we actually live in Luton mm. and it's the possible implications of the increase in our council tax that exactly. I'm worried about. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's it, the, 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 the council are going to have to defend that and they're going to have to defend that with your, your money, my money. Mm. Um, and that's not acceptable. So, uh, let's hope November the 5th comes by without a murmur from them and we can get on with this business of uh, improving our town. Yeah, absolutely. Big few weeks um, for the town coming up. And of course, was... um, there's something going on with Capital and Regional at the moment with this takeover. Um, they're in talks at the moment for the South African group. We're looking to, to buy them. So uh, we're watching that with keen interest as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> as I say, it's, uh, it's a big few weeks um, for the town uh, certainly off the pitch and um, I'm sure that'll all get um, portrayed on James's website as I as I mentioned earlier and let's just uh, move on to a couple of other things chaps before we get stuck into the football uh, first of all um, Tony on your views on the town have relocated from the Mall to um, Park Street in terms of their club shop uh, I don't know if you've been down there yes, I've, ma- I've been down there so much bigger than the old one Oh, yes. So much more uh, modern, uh, and and that allows the club so much more options, both in terms of the retail that they can sell and what they can do for fans. They did a sensory hour on the day that it opened. They're going to do that again in future. It's just a it's a good experience actually for fans to go in as well as to, to buy things, but just to go in and, and look around. It's it's quite a pleasant place. It is. Um, I know how much work has gone into preparing the shop with my daughter working. Um, for the club and um, I know how many uh, late nights she's been working on it and the stresses and strains of getting it ready but it's all been worth it um, I've been in there um, had a good look round and it, it's quite a pleasant shopping experience um, I like the idea of basing it on Kenilworth Road um, with the, the dugout where you can go and sit down and have your photos taken and it's, you can browse around the shop they've got a lot more items on display staff in there are really helpful it's nice and I think the location is quite good because it's still in the town centre so it will still attract a a, a lot of shoppers there Um, and also on on a match day you know there's a a lot of supporters go down the brewery tap they'll be able to pop in there on the the way through to Kenilworth Road I think it's great and and, and also what what they've done as well that if you park at Power Court and you go and buy something you can have your car parking refunded I think that's great as well and of course speaking of power court james it's literally a stone's throw from there so when we do move into their club shops right on well you know within walking distance of, of the stadium it's just perfect it is you, you've missed out the crucial part of this as well that, that you don't have to step foot in the mall to go to luton town <laughs> shop i was trying to be yeah, diplomatic <laughs> yeah. there james yeah i mean uh, it's a, we it's leave a, the controversy uh, to you <laughs> i mean that that's that's good in itself isn't it that uh no i mean Anything that puts more money back into the town centre and isn't gobbled up by those guys, it's got to be good. And that's, you know, that's why Power Court's going to be great, why Newland Park's going to be great. Um, so if it's a small 
snippet of how that could work, then that's got to be delivered. I, I think as well, it, 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 it gives the club a lot more flexibility as well in things like opening hours, you know, because that part of the Arndale shuts fairly early in the evening. So if the club wanted to do a late night shopping, they could do that if they wanted to. I think it, it's just given them a, 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 well, taking them to a whole new level but in terms of flexibility. And this is the whole, yeah. this is the whole argument as well. Court and Newlands Park are needed really because um, I sincerely believe that CNR understand that the the future of retail is not just purely shops and that seems to be borne out by the fact they've got this fee street scenario down one of their the wings of their shopping centre where it's all food but who has their dinner before 6pm some people do obviously but if you want to go out for dinner you can't in there so restaurants and bars and things like that need to have that flexibility to be open late into the evening so you can enjoy it and boost the town's nighttime economy it's the whole argument around why the the arndale is a nightmare for this town it just kills it kills this town at night mm-hmm. you get yourself some decent looting clobber at the same time there you go and also it's a reflection of how the club are elevating themselves to compete with the clubs that we're uh, that we're up against in the championship. I mean, you don't need to be, you know, Sherlock Holmes to work out that we are a massive, massive sort of uh, disadvantage financially in terms of budgets and everything else in this league. So the more money that we can generate through retail and uh, the, through the club shops can only help us kind of close that gap a little bit that the other clubs that have got these superstores and everything else have an advantage on us. Oh, definitely. I mean, if you... If you go to the away ground games this season and you look at their club stores it's a whole new level it's a totally new world and uh, that's the level we are aspiring to that's where we need to be and I have every confidence that 2020 will get us there with Power Court absolutely yeah Um, let's round off this community section Uh, the last time we did a podcast. We had two members of the Luton Town ladies team uh, with us. I'm um, sorry I missed yeah. that because I listened to it and it was, it was good. I no, really enjoyed what they said. It was great having um, having them on and discussing women's football and things. And um, they're at home this Sunday, James, and you can pay as much or as little as you like to go and watch them, uh, all in aid of breast cancer awareness. They're at home to Harringay Borough. Yeah. Uh, and we encourage as many people to go down and watch them as is possible. Yeah, it's a really good uh, experience actually. It's 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 down at the Brace, which is obviously Luton's training ground. It's on the three G pitch there. I've played on that many a times when it used to be just Vauxhall's recreation centre. Um, so they've done a really good job. They've got a stand there, so you can you can sit in comfort. You don't have to be standing out in the rain. And regular matches are two quid adults and one pound kids anyway. So it's worth going along. It's a really cheap afternoon, really good afternoon. Um, and so this weekend why not pop down there and at least spend that but yeah stick a fiver in for breast cancer awareness maybe because it's a good cause yeah absolutely it's a good cause uh, you um cover the ladies team a lot on your website their results have been very good this season they progressed through to the next round of the fa cup uh they had a game washed out last week at dunstable which was news to me because i just assumed they played on the 3g pitch there but mm. it turns out that they don't um but their start to the season after the relegation that um, Dion and Bex uh, last month explained, it's, it's just continued and everything around them looks to be in good order at the minute. Yeah, unfortunately they lost their um, unbeaten start to the season when they had a top-of-the-table clash against Harlow. 
and it's really tight in that division now. So they've dropped down to sixth, I think, on for, by virtue of goal difference, and that's crazy, really, because they've scored nearly thirty odd goals in their opening few sets of games. So, um, but yeah, they've, they're going strong in the FA Cup. They've they've uh, not conceded a goal yet. It's preliminary round stuff, really, and 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 no disrespect to the team that I went and saw last time, Bungay Ladies, but there are a few divisions below, and uh, uh, they didn't have a shot on target. They barely even got into Luton's uh, final third. So, um, I'm sure the tests will come bigger and better, but it, it's uh, it's it's just a good it's a good Sunday if you if you've got nothing to do on a Sunday. No, it absolutely is. Yeah, obviously uh, Luton home on Saturday, and then. Um Pop down and watch the ladies on Sunday, as James said. Really good cause. Uh, it's an enjoyable afternoon. Uh, if it is chucking it down with rain, there is a sheltered stand that you can go and sit in. You can get food and drink there as well. And uh, get behind um, the ladies who are doing a fantastic job. And we wish them well for that game on Sunday and uh, their upcoming games over the month to come. Let's switch our focus to the men's team, chaps. As I said at the start of the podcast, it's been eventful um, last month since uh, we did the podcast. Actually, Tony, myself and James were quite buoyant about the chances of um, plenty of points over the month. But, it, well, it didn't begin that way because um, we produced a shocking first 30 minutes at QPR. And to be fair to the team, they came back into it, probably could have got, <coughs> excuse me, could have got a draw at the end of it. But not a great afternoon, all, to- all told. <laughs> The only positive to come out of that was the fight back to get two goals back. I thought I was going to say the final whistle. But <laughs> no, the uh, the half time whistle was a was a relief. Um, that f- f- opening thirty minutes has probably got to be one of the worst I can remember for a long time, and uh, it would have to be them as well, wouldn't it? But. Uh, I, it, 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 I don't know. You, you, you looking at it, you, you'd swear that maybe they'd been out on the piss the night before, you know, and didn't get until two o'clock in the morning. But you know, in the modern game, that sort of thing doesn't happen. Um, but again, I, I, I would prefer to forget that game actually, and uh, you know, think about the second half and how we responded. Um, talking to some QPR. Afterwards, um, they couldn't believe how bad we were at first. But towards, they said, being honest, that towards the end of the game, they felt they were lucky to hang on and get the three points. Well, they were getting so, nervous, certainly. Yeah, they, uh, were. they, they were. They were hanging on, the weren't they? Yeah. yeah, George Moncur had a couple of chances and things like that. Interesting that QPR fans said that, though, James, because did they not get enough credit for how good they were in that half an hour? I know Luton were bad, but they were pretty tasty at the same time because they could have had five, couldn't they? They hit crossbar twice. Oh, yeah. It could have been much more. No, they were very good. Luton gave them so much space, though. It, for me, it was a, it was the first time that um, the managers made a, a, a selection error, I think, probably. Mm. Um, I think that, that game was... Maybe he was expecting more of an expansive game, and it, it, it did turn out to be that way. So that, that probably... Um, helped his decision to put Izzy Brown in but I think everybody was very surprised to see that he'd replaced Jacob Butterfield and clearly there was acres of space in the middle of the park um, you, just, you just cannot give a player like Izzy no. that sort of space he was the one that destroyed us he was he was outstanding but but his goal shouldn't have gone in 
I had a terrible view of that in the press box because there was a post right in the way of um, Sluger. So I saw the shot and I thought, you know, split second stuff. I thought, oh, we'll get that, no problem. And then I didn't see Sluger because the post was in the way and then the ball's in the net. I was like, what the hell's happened there? If you look back in a replay and you should have... He should have got I think stronger hands to the that. The second goal, which was the ball over the top, wasn't it? I couldn't believe how um, easy it was for, mm. their, for their winger to get in and get behind. I just thought, route one, I thought. I couldn't believe he was but, onside. But a lot, a lot of teams have been targeting Luke Bolton for that reason. Um, and they've been getting some decent... Um, change out of him really yeah someone had to go I mean stand that day when I said it that we're not actually being fair to Luke Bolton by kind of exposing him to uh, that formation that we played and um, I know that when you come to play for Luton Town as a fullback you've got to accept that you're going to be exposed because we like to play the diamond more often than not I know we've played 4-3-3 three, three a few times this season um, but you're going to be double teamed and um, well it just wasn't ready for it that day was he it was it was a shame it wasn't actually a good day for goalkeepers all around that was it because our way back <laughs> our way back into the side to say it was gifted would be an understatement yeah and that that kind of sort of takes a little bit of the shine off the fight back for me because they gifted that goal Luton were not in any way in that contest whatsoever until that that goal happened and then it happens at such a crucial time as we know just before half time it gives that the, the opposing who gives Luton the, the bit of impetus that they perhaps needed to go on but they didn't really really for me threaten considering they scored so early in the second half you think this could be on didn't really threaten to win that yeah, game yeah goalie made a late save from Monker didn't he mm. but that was um, that was about it and actually to be fair if QPR didn't have England's fly half playing for him um, clearing the crossbar and He's in the second half then, yeah, uh, they yeah. probably yeah. scored a few more that was worrying Tony but for me what was more worrying was the lack of output in the game, in the following game against Hull City where actually contrary to opinion I didn't think we created an awful lot uh, and I thought we were well beaten maybe not by as much as the scoreline suggested but I think Hull did deserve their win mm. um, I thought both teams didn't look particularly good on the day um, I don't think all told I, I, although we didn't create a great deal I, I thought we didn't deserve to lose it um, I think Hull just got lucky on the day and in the last 10 minutes because we were pressing for an equaliser they got fortunate um, and I just put that down to being one of those things um, I, I think you discount, yeah. the, you discount the last two goals I think because it was it was Luton's own making, partly because of that. One of them was an absolutely comical, horrendous gap of a goal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't see how Sluger can be blamed for that. Oh, no, no. It's, you know, it's Dan Potts it, it, mess I've, up I've that. I've seen fans blaming him for that. No. But I, I think Potts, they, They've blamed him Potts for so many things this season. Go, I, know, I know we're going to talk about Sluger soon, but they've, and he's made mistakes. That's, that's not deniable. But uh, the amount of mistakes that are being attributed to him... Uh, is is way off in my view. There's, there's people complaining that he was at fault for for Sell's goal at Cardiff. Uh, we, no, all, we all know there's so many passages in that play where the ball could not get to Vassell. Uh, he's, there's no way that's that's his. Well, he actually made a damn good save for that third goal, didn't he, Slugan? And then Potts, yeah. Potts for, no, yeah. for no reason whatsoever belted it into the back of his head. Do you know what? It, 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 it just when, needed when the Benny happened, Hill music yeah. attached to that goal. <laughs> <and> <laughs> when that happens, I just thought 
went through my mind Jordan Cook against Blackpool at home you know the one we tried to hear it hit the cake because half about it now but at the time it was gutted the, yeah. most, you know. the craziest thing was it went down as a sluker and goal yeah. and that was the least of the three options because obviously yeah. it was Potts that put the yeah. ball on the goal line it was their bloke who put it over the goal line poor old sluker it's not only that it's not only that he bashed it into sluker but what's he trying to clear the ball off the line with his head for well, when it's on was, the deck that, yeah. that, that just added to the comedy really anyway Really but yeah, I, I think um, yeah, three 0 was a flattering scoreline to hold. Luton didn't really create anything. You could say that they had a lot of the ball in the first half, which they did, but they didn't create a lot. And Hull's defence were quite solid, apart from the second half where um, there was that that kind of um, scramble, wasn't there? The Tunnycliffe shot that got pushed, and then the, the, the hitting. The, you know, it was there was nothing that the goalkeeper really had to do in the game and that was a bit of a concern really I mean if Hulk did a job on us if you like a few days later we saw a footballing masterclass from a Leicester City side who were a street or two above us and that's no disrespect to us whatsoever they took it seriously even allowing for the fact that they made five or six changes Um, and if I'm honest even as a Luton fan they were a joy to watch that night they were they, they were class, there's no doubt about it. And come on, let's put it into perspective. They have one player on there in Tillerman, forty million pound player. You know, our whole squad wouldn't probably even come to half of that, would it? So, get real. I I I, I didn't expect anything from that game. You know, I I thought they'd uh, they'd come and do a number on us, and and they just it just showed you the golf. Mm. That that's what it did. And to be honest with you, it, it was nice to see JJ. At least he got to say a proper goodbye. So did you two, were you two in the stands clapping and cheering his goal then? I did clap him. I did clap him. Uh, there's a debate start. around that, whether I that should know, have happened. And I'm thinking, for God's sake, you know, uh, those people, that I'm, I'll never clap a goal against Luton. I said, come on, get a life. Um, I think... I think I'd, a lot I'd, of it was people were clapping that he didn't celebrate that's why I clapped I yeah. started clapping when he just turned around and walked back and I mean I he's well within his rights to celebrate it's my pet hate that people who score don't celebrate against their old club so he's well within his right he's doing his job yeah. etc but the fact that he had a bit of grace a bit of class I didn't do that I think it was right to show that respect both ways I had no problem with that whatsoever no I didn't and, and you know it's not like I, I, you know if we were playing the scum uh, and they scored and it could be the best goal yeah, ever I mean, scored. Andre Gray probably not. Would, you know, I would not celebrate that. Yeah, of course, Andre Gray wouldn't get that reception. But then no. again, he he's not there, is he? And a JJ, you know, I, I think the whole thing has got more to do with um, not 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 so much that you know previous players have left us and and come back and scored against us and not celebrate. I'm thinking of Kingsley Black and Steve Howard for for two. But um I think it had more to do with how JJ has been at the club, the how he's conducted himself, how he stayed with us when he had earlier opportunities to leave. He went when the time was right for him and it was done in the proper way. And you know full well that the guy will never ever have a bad word to say about this club. And it was more to do with that. You know, I've got the greatest of respect for the guy. And, um, you know, I just thought he didn't celebrate. And it was a good goal. He, 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 he took it really well. I mean, if you see them run that, he came in for the ball over. 
um, I thought it was a really good goal. You know, I'd been very proud if Luton had scored a goal like that. But um, then he turned round and yeah, some some of his players come up and congratulated him and that, and he just he just turned around and walked back to the centre. I thought fair play to you, like, and that's why I clapped. And his ovation at the end when he yeah. went round was. But that's that's where special. that's where you you can't have any arguments with it. That's that's where it was deserved. He didn't get that opportunity because people got over at Zubian on the last day of last season. So he didn't have that. And that was, that was perfect for him. Um, I still don't quite know where I sit with the other bit of it. I think clapping may be fine. Maybe the song was a bit too much. I don't know. It's a natural thing with the song though, isn't it? I mean, you've sung it for so long. that I think what my impression of that, when they sung the song was to get, it was, Basically, having a go at the Leicester fans that he, he's he, he's one of ours. He's not yours. He might play for you, but he's not yours. He's mm. ours. Mm. And I think that's where that came from. Yeah, good side though. Good oh, side. they're an outstanding side. I think that they'll be they'll be third behind Liverpool and Man City, whichever way them two finish. But yeah, they were outstanding. They, they've they've he's put together a side, uh, obviously with a lot of money. But you saw what he did when he was at Liverpool when he had a decent side and how well he can achieve it. I don't think that they can touch Liverpool and Man City at all. But um, the only thing for me really is that JJ is going to be second string. I think it's going to be no matter what he does, he's well, going to be second like string. There's uh, speculation going in on... What's he done? I can't. Per- Pereira, isn't Pereira, it? Yeah. that's it. Off in January, it's, you know, the, the, the speculation going in on that. So oh well, well that, that'll boost his chances. Time. Yeah, yeah. His, t- his time will come, and he will be a good player for them. He already looked a bit better. Yeah, I mean, his first touch was exceptional all the time, but he looked a bit bigger. Um, just all round play seemed a bit. Maybe that's just because he's been a very well, slick well, Leicester apparently side. Apparently, JJ said that going to Leicester it's not just about football ability because they're not just athletes they actually do bodybuilding mm. and it's all about making themselves bigger and stronger and you can see that you can see that even the difference between championship players and league one players they are bigger they are fitter and I think that, that, that that's what we've noticed is, is the big step up it's, it's, it's so much quicker mm. Yeah, they were lightning. Yeah, yeah. Leicester were just absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, they played the game. I spoke to him afterwards, and he said, "There's nothing that's really surprised him about the physical side of it. It's all been more mental, which is fair enough. You've got to concentrate, as we all know about certain players. But you know full well that um, I know Jack Stacey's done it, but I know JJ will do it as well. That you know when we're playing and they haven't got a game, they'll be here." Mm. You know, it's happened with so many players before because they, they, this this club seems to have a special place in their hearts. So, you know, seen that with old players. I mean, nobody has a bad word to say about this club. No, that's right. Uh, we needed to bounce back with a result, and uh, we went to Blackburn of all places and got one. Um, I'll start with you on this one, James, because I know you was there. Um, deserved win, good win actually, because. It was the first time this season that we've come under siege defensively and been resolute enough to hold it out and go on and win the game as a result of that. Yeah, and apart from the disallowed goal, which was rightly disallowed, um, they didn't really have much of an idea other than pumping balls into the box, which you expect Sonny Bradley and Matt Pearson to gobble it up. So what was impressive for me, actually, was because I thought Blackburn, for the first 20 minutes, were outstanding. I thought, this could be a drubbing here because Luton couldn't touch them. I thought, oh dear, (laughs) this, you know... 
and then you, you do get a goal against a run of play like that and it's the complex of it uh, the complex of, of the game just changes and Luton were much better after that equipped themselves against them and and it was a really good result for that it wasn't like Luton dominated at all through that whole game but they got the goals at the right time and then like you say for half an hour probably more nearly 40 minutes wasn't it but they just repelled everything that came their way you know it was a squeaky bum time when, that, when he did stick that goal in but it was clear from the replay the, the thing that made it a bit nervous was I didn't see the Lino put his flag up oh, he didn't to start it off didn't with. and so I'm thinking they're going to allow this and it's very rare that the whole team gets so furious they run over to the ref certainly for this Loon team there might be some further up the up the pyramid or in foreign countries that are more accustomed to that sort of thing but this they, they, they they're a fair team this lot mostly Mostly, <laughs> you, you're right, James. It, it was quite clearly um, offside. Well, he was five yards in. offside and he punched it in. But apart from that, we <laughs> didn't have a lot wrong with that goal. That had gone down as a slugger mistake as well. Well, the it? ironic thing was, all their fans after the game were moaning about Luton's time wasting, and I agree, Luton pushed the boundaries with time wasting in that game. But the biggest time wasting was that incident, and all he had to do was say, "No, no, I punched it in," or you know, I'm well offside, and they could have got on with the game and saved themselves three minutes. So, uh, you know, so you can't have your cake and eat it. So, what it? you're saying, Kev? We 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 we've learned from Wickham. Is that what you're saying? I don't think we got to those levels, but no. certainly we. What's the term these days? Managed the game. Yeah, that's the definitely point. that. Well, you you've got to have that. You've got to have some else about you. And it's a negative term, but actually, it was a realistic necessity that afternoon. if you're going to play teams with vastly superior budgets who've been in that division for far longer then you're not going to blitz everyone at all so you've got to have different options particularly away from home absolutely flexibility that's what the manager says isn't it you've got to be able to do that and listen nobody likes it when it's done against you (laughs) it depends when it's done though isn't it it's not like we can do it in the first like 30 seconds onwards well i mean the the other thing is if if you're trying to defend the lee like that of course you're going to do that. And the other thing, if you don't want it done against you, don't go behind. It's a pretty simple mm-hmm. explanation. Uh, one thing to pick up on that game, Tony, uh, the first goal that James mentioned there was James Collins' 50th for Luton Town. We're going to come on to him uh, in more detail in a little while, but that's a really good achievement. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, how many players have done it before? You know, um, I think it's single figures. Yeah, I'm lucky enough to have seen a few of them. You know, um, but I'll, I'll, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I, I think over the last three seasons, I think James Collins has been one of our best signings. If you look at that guy's heart and souls in the game, the amount of effort he puts in, mm. he'll be, you know, up front one minute, uh, looking for a chance to put in the back of the net. And then you look, what's it, 30 seconds later and he's back, headed the ball off the line. Mm. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a centre forward work as hard as him you know um, and the only thing I'm worries me is uh, I think if he gets injured we're in trouble yeah I I, I really I I dread the thought of um, him getting injured and I I think that's something that certainly needs to be addressed in the transfer window but then I mean what is Izzy Brown's real position I thought it was a forward so and he played centrally uh, when did he play centrally 
at Blackburn. That was it. Yeah, Blackburn. yeah, yeah. That was and it. He, he, and it worked he, really he, well. He looked the part. So he seemed to be for me the tip of the diamond when defending, and moved up to central forward role when they were attacking. And that for me was his best. Apart from the Ipswich one, which I think you have to slightly discount, no disrespect to Ipswich, but they're a lower league team. <laughs> <laughs> that that was his best performance. I thought. Oh, he was brilliant that day, wasn't he? I mean, the two goals he put on plates, mm. you know, great headers as they were. But, I mean, Collins couldn't miss if, if he wanted to. Well, I say mm. that, but after Derby, maybe, yeah. But even even if he didn't if he didn't have those two assists, I thought it was his best performance. Just yeah. his all-round play, that pos- the positional play where he got him, that's where it worked. Where it didn't work was at Queen's Park Rangers and it got exposed quite badly. And I think, I think Jones has learned a bit of a lesson there. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, he's... He, he put him in because he said he deserved the place, which is good. You want to hear that because I think so often, just in football general, not just Luton, you know which players are going to play whatever happens. Mm. You know. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, We'll um, touch further on Izzy uh, in a short while. Um, just round off the last two games um, that we've seen. Millwall at home. Uh, I did a match report for your website. We mm-hmm. ran into an inspired goalkeeper that night. I mean, Collins could have had three more to his 50 that night quite easily, but for an inspired goalkeeper. Oh. <laughs> yes. Um, how we didn't get three points in that game, I just don't know. But unfortunately, that's what it's like at the championship. Even, you know, sides that are struggling at the moment, they, they appear to be hard to beat. I mean, nobody's getting really trounced, are they? Um as a rule um, Millwall they came for a point they set the stool out for a point and that's what they achieved right at the start you could see the look, look at the size of them the size of their centre forwards as well not just their centre backs um, so we knew what we were up against but we were just unlucky you had other things going on that week James but did you catch any of that James? I did I saw the highlights and um, it made some unbelievable save from James Collins mm. the volley uh, and a few others Um I didn't really get the sense of from the highlights of why that meant that Neil Harris then just walked. Yeah, that was a bit strange, yeah. wasn't it? Very surprising. Because yeah. that it would it would suggest from what what everything I've read and what you two have just said then that they came set their stall out for a point and they got that. What was that all about? <laughs> yeah, no, that was a very strange one. That was. Um that's uh, that's their issue and then Tony we'll finish with you because you were the only one who of the three of us that was at the Derby game um, well I wasn't original plan was I wasn't going to Derby and I got a phone call at 8 o'clock that morning from me cousin I've got your ticket do you want to go <laughs> and, I, and he said I'm driving so I thought yeah okay I'm going and probably wish you did <laughs> exactly yeah um <sighs> We'll come on to the goalkeeper in a minute, so focus <laughs> yeah, on the rest of the game. On, on, on the performance, I, I thought we we played well. I, again, I, I, it was one of those games, I think uh, a nil-nil draw would have been a fair result. Um, we were late leaving the ground because when we came out, we thought we'd go and get something to eat and let the traffic die down. And we were parked in the car park behind the away end. And as we went back to the car, there were some of the Derby players um, coming out. Now, I'm not particularly interested in other clubs' players, so I couldn't tell you who they were. But got chatting to them. and um, well, If they were walking in a straight line, it weren't Tom Lawrence and it weren't Mason Bennett. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I did check that out and I checked to see if they'd got a carry out or whatever. Um, but they, they felt that uh, a draw would have been a fair result. Um, 
you know, they said they felt sorry for our keeper. Um, you know, they, they said it happens in football. Um, and they were quite fair. And they again, they said they think we'll be all right. We'll be all right. Just on that, should those players have been allowed to play in that game? I know, I know Bennett didn't, but Lawrence did. Scored the second goal. Uh, criminal charges up against him, which they got a ridiculous sentence for a, few, a couple of days ago. Was that right that they were allowed to play? I suppose if once it becomes criminal, then you've got to let the law side of that dictate it, and then it's club policy about whether they play. The thing for me is that is putting people's lives in danger, not just those players, but anyone else. Anyone that drink drives is a clown and they deserve heavy punishments. But then it comes down to this sort of argument of is, is it right that in any other industry, any other job, somebody does that, um, would they keep their job? No, they've been no. dismissed instantly. Here they get put in re-education programs and told to do community service. And that's the big difference about hundred hours. Of- yeah. That's I mean, the big difference here is because whether they like it or not, their role models to to young kids. I, I, I think that's the, the trouble with modern football, isn't it? That players are so overpaid now that they, I, I think there's a certain strain of them that, that, that think the law doesn't apply to them. They're above it, yeah. They're above it all and I can do what I like. And unfortunately... Um, that's wrong I think a lot of it's got to do with education I think the clubs could do more to educate players mm. um, but they're not going to learn if they're back in the team no that's no, the two games later and they're I don't not. know how, I think they got fined quite a bit which their maximum club fine they got fined. fined six weeks yeah. wages didn't so they? they they should get fined a hell of a lot more than that they get so much money they can't they're not going to be poor they're not going to be badly it's off not, it. it's not a deterrent is it no and actually this one appalled me. I mean, you hear of football drink driving cases more regularly than you would like to. But this one actually appalled me more because the club laid on transport for them all to get home and, and they, they shirked it. Yeah. yeah. And that the arrogance of that, you know, I mean, that's just really bad in my in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, that was the point I was I was going to come on to. That, 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 I mean, obviously no their captain paid the price. You know, he's out for the season. Potentially his career's gone mm-hmm. with it. But he will have known what he was getting himself into. You only had to look at the video that was circulating on social media that Tom Huddleston took. I think he put it on Snapchat, which I'm sure delighted everyone um, inside the dressing room. The guy's chucking up in the toilets. Mm. And then you go and get in a cut. I mean, it's not right. Would you think anywhere else, I mean, any company you've ever worked for, or your friends or whatever, if you'd gone out and you'd got one of your, your friends or your colleague had got into that state and was then going to drive home, you wouldn't let them. You'd take the keys off them. But that's yeah. the thing, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't, but I mean, to get into the car is one thing. I mean, obviously, no one wishes uh, his career to be over or anything like that as a result of it. But, I mean, an ounce of common sense, please. And yeah. I've got to say, if, it's, if these are Luton players doing this, I wouldn't want to watch them the following Saturday. I would agree with you. I know. I, I know. Luton play. I, I don't think Luton players would do this. I think the culture of this club uh, and the characters that we recruit are sufficient enough that I'm fairly confident that that wouldn't happen. But to 
turned down club transport to think that like Tony said that they're bigger than the law I wouldn't want to watch them the following Saturday I don't care if it's James Collins I don't care if it's Tony Bradley I don't care how important to the side they are There's, some things are more important than football and, and uh, life is top of that tree yeah, isn't it I mean, quite clearly and they've endangered their own endangered other people's that's the they've thing, brought I mean, the reputation of their club and themselves into into massive disrepute well, and in other, any other walk of life they'd get the boot I but mean, it doesn't you, happen you, in football you, you look um, as, as something like the armed forces I know for a fact if a member of the armed forces gets done for drink driving they get the full punishment of the law but they're also punished um, by their commanding officer, whatever, uh, for bringing that service into disrepute. Mm. And so it, to effect, they're, they're punished twice. But I think it, it, it sometimes goes deeper because I think throughout football, there is always a, a level of there's one rule for one and there's one rule for another. I mean, I know it's got nothing to do with this ongoing case with that, but you've only got to look at what happened in the League Cup. Now, much as I hate that lot up the motorway, um, anybody else would have got chucked out of the competition, not fined for what they did playing an ineligible player. Uh, and it's that sort of culture that goes through football about everything's money, money, money. So all these players that are getting this excessive amounts of money... Um, it's bound to have a, a knock-on effect for what they think they can do and what they can do. They, they must have this attitude that I can buy my way out of anything. Well, they can. I mean, there are... If every, every other walk of life, there are deterrents. Firstly, your own common sense and moral compass should be up there. Yeah. The law should be there as well. But then if uh, you, you think about the consequences, they're going to get banned from driving. That means you can't get into work. Any normal person, that's going to curtail their ability to do their job. So they they probably won't be able to do it anymore. But it's not going to affect them. They get paid so much money. They get chauffeured to work, couldn't they? Yeah. Which is what they should have done yeah. on that night and got chauffeured back home. But they, well, they did. But they turned it down. Well, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Two-year driving ban. Not, not a permanent one, just a two-year driving ban. Can do it all again in 24 months' time. That's the... It's That's crazy. the sickening thing of it. Uh, let's move. Oh, I was going to say let's move on to something more positive, but unfortunately, <laughs> it's not more positive. Our next, um, our next subject. James, talk to me about the goalkeeper situation. A uh, decision has to be made now, um, and that decision. James Shea has to come in. They have to, um, you know. Well, we've talked about Sluger before on this podcast and in this episode. He's made some absolutely wonderful saves. Saves that I think probably Shea couldn't have made. The Middlesbrough one, in Middlesbrough one, yeah. just before, but just before his first howler. It's the worst time to make a, a goalkeeper howler on your debut, isn't it? Um, it's obviously going to affect confidence. But I think the Luton fans have done well to get behind him and support him. I can think of the Barnsley game where he walked off the pitch and done really well, and everybody gave him a, a, a standing ovation, and he soaked it in on his own. <laughs> Deserved. To the point that he was injured, getting substituted at half time, and actually came out for the second half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so all of that's deserved. I'm not in any way slating him whatsoever. He's come from another country, uh, trying to adapt to a different style of football in a different place. All those things you 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 can't not have those as contributing factors. It's the same way as if you moved to a different country and did a different job. You'd have to get used to it. So, but well, but 
it's the fact that the mistakes now have uh, are racking up and they're costing Luton points. And if Luton were comfortably mid-table, maybe there'd be a different case here. But every point is so vital now. So in terms of his own uh, confidence, I think it's time to give him a rest and, and but explain to him why this is so that his confidence isn't wrecked. But if you're talking confidence, you've also got to think of James Shea's confidence. And if James Shea continues to sit on the sidelines after this, what does that do to his confidence? He's a Golden Glove winner from last season, uh, and he's 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 kept the only clean sheets of this campaign, albeit they're in the League Cup. But he's come in and he's done well. It's now his time. I said earlier uh, on this one that. Um, there are certain players in football where you just sort of know they're always just going to be in a, on, on the team sheet, even though players and managers was always bleat on about competition and how they love it and stuff like that. It doesn't always work out like that. There are always players that will always get a game. I think the time now is to say that he's had his opportunity now. Take him out of the firing line. Get James Shea in. James mentions confidence there of the players lost confidence in him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's only natural that they would have done because you, you could see at the game that after uh, the first hour you could see that both Bradley and Pearson were looking twice before passing the ball back to him and it was even worse after the second goal went in which is understandable you, you can understand that uh, and that and that's a, a perfectly natural thing um, I think that trust and confidence has to be given a chance to re-establish itself but under more controlled conditions I agree with James I, I think it's time to take him out of the firing line um, and again be because of this confidence thing. I mean, if you look at Sluger, there I think there's a great goalkeeper there. Agreed. Waiting to come out. I think if he's given enough time and Luton fans are more patient with him and are done and it's done in the right way and set steps, I think we could be looking at one of possibly one of our best assets there, but it, it, it's all about him being treated the right way. Now, yeah, James is exactly right um, in the circumstances that brought Sluger into the club, and he's on a learning curve. But a learning curve. We've also got to remember that our manager's on a learning curve as well, and everybody makes mistakes. You know, um, as long as I've been watching football, there's always been goalkeepers who've made absolute howlers. You know, I don't think I've ever seen um, goalkeepers do it twice in a game, but I, I can think of goalkeepers like Ray Clements, you know, an absolute howler he made uh, when England were playing Scotland. You know, and Jake Finn, uh, not Jake Finley, um, the Leeds goalkeeper going back to the early 70s and his name's escaped from me but um, I remember we, him we, we can't help you out here yeah, yeah. yeah no. <laughs> early, early 70s yeah. it will come to me it will come to me but um, I remember him catching the ball going to throw it out and he threw it in his own net behind him oh I've seen that actually yeah, um, his name's yeah. on the tip of my tongue and I can't remember it will come to me later and I think the trouble is it, 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 it's a case of he's made a howler now I think the Middlesbrough 
game. It, it it wasn't as bad as as people thought. I simply the shot took a deflection and he was wrong for it. Fair enough. Um, the, the the one against QPR, the first shot. Okay, there might be an argument for saying the ball the ball swerved and curved in midair. However, he should still have got his two hands behind it and carried it away. The Derby game. Um, there's there's no excuses for that really. The uh, Gary Spike, that's the goalkeeper. Gary Spike, <laughs> got it. Um, he took his foot off the ball. Yeah. Now there isn't an argument for saying that. You know, growing up and you coach football, if you pass the ball back to your goalkeeper, you don't pass it within the <laughs> into, pace, into yeah. the goal. Yeah. You know, that's basic football. Um, so I think. Yeah, he needs to be taken out for his for his own good because if it carries on, he, he's just going to be shot to pieces. I mean, the guy must be feeling dreadful at the moment. Mm. And, you know, you don't get called up for an international score if you're a bad keeper, you know. Um, and one of the nice things that I noticed at the end of the derby game, um, when the final whistle had gone, James Shea was straight over there with his arms around him you know, sympathising with him. And I think the sort of character James Shea is, I, I don't think his first thought would have been, great, I'm going to get back in the team. I think, honestly, his first thought would have been... Well, I know how, how bad how dreadful, it is to... How dreadful for him. Yeah. You know, because he'd, he'd, he'd made mistakes in golf mm. for Luton, so he knows, you know, the classic one against Shrewsbury when he dropped the ball straight to their player. <laughs> um, yeah. So... Uh, yeah, you just forget about those, don't yeah, you? Because, uh, exactly. because it ends in a, a win. And... Uh, that, that's kind of the thing, really, isn't it? The, the, the fact that they are costing points now. And yeah, that, that is the thing. And, and I think he, he needs just a little bit of time. He needs... I mean, what, the only thing that I looked at and, and, and really annoyed me about Sluga was when a cross had come in and he quite clearly have all the time in the world to catch it and he punches it out. Mm. And I'm like, oh! And, but that's again, an English thing, isn't it? it that, that, that's continental coaching. Yeah. They are coached to punch rather than catch yeah. the ball. You know, I suppose if he'd gone for the catch and dropped it, people would be on his back again then. And at least most of the time he's punching is certainly a lot better than I've seen other goalkeepers mm. playing for Luton. Um, I, I, again, I have confidence in Shay coming in. He, he, he's, a diff- he's a different goalkeeper. He's kicking and his distribution is not as good as Sluger. I mean, I think Sluger's kicking and distribution has been first class mm. and that's why he, really he was brought in so I think it's just going to be one of those things where it takes time but in, in, in immediately yeah you're right Jones needs to take action so that we don't give away stupid points it would be the fairest thing to do for the outfield players as well who are busting a bollock well, well that, to, uh, yeah, that's the, that is the other thing that um, that defensive unit if you take it as a defensive five has been rocked by the departures of Stacey and Justin. Um, so they've taken some time to adjust to that and they probably still always are going to be adjusting to that because we know how good it was. The boat, they're two Premier League players now, rightly so. They're amazing. It's hard enough to lose one exactly. caliber, let alone two. So you've got Sonny Bradley and Matty Pearson both adored, don't they, really, from last season's efforts uh, that are having to make up new relationships with two new fullbacks that are not always the same because they haven't been because of injuries and different things, trying things out and a new goalkeeper. So maybe the fairest thing for them also is to put them back with a partnership they know that worked. And this could only, this might just be a mental thing. If you put them back with a, uh, a guy behind them that they know that worked, they know how to play with him. 
and just see whether that works for them. You've just got it's, you've got to do this trial and error thing now. So the trial now is to give James Shea a go just to see how that works because the manager doesn't know yet. He uh, Shea's played in a, a, a much changed side in the in the League Cup games. So he doesn't know how that's going to work out in the first team. So it's just it's just time now because of the the, the accumulation of these mistakes to give James Shea the, the go. That's our take on the goalkeeper situation. Uh, I agree with the chaps. I think uh, it is time for James Shea. As I say, it's the fairest thing all around to do. There's nothing against Sluger. Uh, like Tony, I hope he comes good. Um, I, I, would, I would just say before you wrap that up then, just... Um, if he does go out and James Shea comes in, give him as much support as you can when he's tr- warming up and he's training and he's walking off and stuff because he needs his confidence built up and that's not going to happen if you criticise him in any way. I, I don't see that in large parts. I see it mostly on social media, but in the grounds, in the, in the, the crowds, yeah. they've they've tried to do that. So just continue doing that. Yeah. You, you, every club have, have got what are called dickhead fans that oh, they do nothing but moan, mm. and no matter what happens, they moan. You know, you know yourself that um, the players that aren't in the team are the saviours, and when they get in the team, then they're slating them if they make a mistake. You know, you watch any game; every player makes a mistake. Not every pass goes where it's intended. You know, you look at the miss that Collins had in that derby game yeah nobody gets on his back he's got credit there but and it's it's not as good. well it could be argued and perhaps it was costly because if he could put that in 1-1 one, one, totally different game um, but the only thing that gives me solace on that is looking at the uh the uh, miss that Andre Gray made for them <laughs> I think that was worse than Collins because yeah, he had time to trap the ball and he had a totally open goal <laughs> I said that to someone. long way they struggle by the way <laughs> absolutely uh, Tony you mentioned about fans moaning there um, James someone behind me uh, at the Millwall game was relentless that Izzy Brown is lazy and doesn't contribute anything to the cause so let's focus on him a little bit because uh, it's my opinion certainly that he's our most talented footballer there is without doubt a supreme talent in him uh, I think frustration grows from the fact that he doesn't track back but I spoke to uh, Izzy actually on Monday uh, I was at the kit sponsors training session and uh, made a point of making a beeline for him and um, chatting to him and to answer the question that you asked earlier his position he sees himself as a number 10 Okay. But Collins has been playing the number 10 role for much of this season. Mm. And, um, you know, it was put to me that they are working on ways of getting the both of them into the side. But as a number 10, he can be the man who can keep us in this division. Yeah. Well, he's got creativity and inventiveness. Um, the thing about the tracking back, it's it depends where you play him, doesn't it? If he is in that number 10, he's not going to be the man busting the gut to get he should get back I mean, he's still got defensive duties to do and that will improve um, that's got to improve you've got if we go on a tangent here that he hasn't played a lot of football for the last two years so whatever you want to say he's still got to build up to that he's not had, has he played one ninety minutes so far 
played 90 at QPR, didn't he? Yeah. I think that's the only one. That's the only one. Yeah, because he came off against Blackburn. He's got all that to build up again. He's still very young as well. He's not played a lot of first-team football. These things all got to be taken into account. But um, So the number 10 role, if he plays that, yes, he is the best uh, proponent of that in this squad. And I think that it really worked uh, against Blackburn. And I think that that's the sort of formation I think that could prove provide dividends for him and Collins clearly because they both com- they combined for uh, one of the goals but also Collins has proved himself quite adaptable and he's a season pro now isn't he so if you can play him on the the the, the wider of a three he'll do that if you play him in number 10, he'll do that. And he's obviously a great number nine. So it's about trying to get the best out of Izzy while he's here, I think. And you've seen flashes of it. Just got to build on that now. Actually, in that Blackburn game, the fact that he didn't track back was to our advantage. Because every time we did win the ball, he was in acres of space to get the ball. And actually, what I've noticed from him since then, uh, certainly in the game against Millwall, um when he got the ball against Millwall, he drove at the Millwall defence. There was one chance in the first half that he put Harry Corning through that the goalkeeper, surprise, surprise, saved again. Um, and his set-piece delivery is pinpoint. The Collins chance in the first half against Millwall that was saved at the front post, the acrobatic volley that James mentioned earlier that was well saved, they both came from Izzy Brown free kicks. And actually also, there was two set-pieces in that game. He rolled one across to Dan Potts for a shot that was blocked in the first half and a ball down the side of the defence for Collins that um, led to the corner that the the save was made from. He's, he's, He's a technically very, very good footballer who's only going to get better and better and better if we lay off of his back and let him, let that talent flourish. Mm. He's, he, you can see with him, he, he spots things, he sees things that other players on the pitch don't. Um, I mean, that, that first goal at Blackburn, that came from nothing. That was purely mm. down to him. Yeah. Collins being in the right place, but the, the cross was pinpoint right where Collins needed it. Um, and he's got that sort of ability. I mean, when he... When he first played against Ipswich, I, I thought with the level of skill he showed, I thought, do you know what? I, 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 I'm having Ricky Hill flashbacks here. Mm. You know, um, it's the hair. <laughs> and he has got he hasn't got the level of skill that Ricky Hill had but he's still an effective player and one of the things I liked about him playing um, in that number 10 forward and, and it's the old thing where you know just get rid of it get it out of the danger area and it just pings straight back at least with him he sticks up there giving us a chance to, to pull out and break and um I, I think to that extent that out of the players that I've seen in that number 10 role apart from Collins at the moment it, um, I think he gives us a bit more than um, Elliot Lee does at the moment um, I don't think that's I'm Elliot being, Lee's I'm best role di- either I think no. maybe I don't know if he, he thinks I'm, that I'm not being disrespectful to Elliot Lee there but I, I just think that he's he um, offers us more but as, as you say James he hasn't played a lot of football for two years and he needs you know he's he's fit but he needs match fitness. That's the, that's the big thing, and it's slowly but surely coming. And he's learning. Mm. The, you know, the argument will, about be a big player for us. The argument about tracking back depends on what role he's been asked to yeah. play, because it's not necessarily needed if 
Ryan Tunnicliffe and Butfield are both playing there as well. And Pelly alongside. And if it is a three up front, then the two wider men are expected to come back and support on the flanks. So it's it's not always going to be the case that, oh, he's not tracking back and that's because he's lazy. It might be because he's been... That's his instructions not to do because maybe they've spotted that that's not a forte of his. So if you keep him up the pits and then the ball comes up, you know... He, a, he can keep it and then do something with it quite quickly and, and that's he, going to be quite true. You can see he's, he's, he's put tackles in, he's tried to tackle, but generally gets penalised for it. Mm. Um, I think he's getting better visibly yeah. every game. I think, I think some, and I would expect that. some of it is a quite an English attitude to footballers. Like, uh, they see someone like James Collins who runs back all over the place and chases and everything. And that's the English fans love that sort of stuff but that's not the game now yeah the culture that's game not now, football anymore so if you take if you take Italy they revere the number 10 role and they allow that player to be the creative force and Del Piero was never expected to run back and and and, and Harry and Chase and do the dirty stuff you also got to look at how much defensive work does people like Messi put in mm. as well exactly you know, yeah I don't think Totti's seen the halfway line in his life has he he certainly ain't crossed it so uh... exactly so it's you know Maybe in the lower leagues, all players have got to muck in, and like we know, they've got to be there's grit and determination. You've got to do those things. You're applying your trade in one of the best divisions in Europe now, even though it's a second tier in this country. There's a lot of expensively put together squads, and they're playing clearly, they're playing a lot different football to what this club has been used to for 10 years. Yeah, I'd much rather Izzy Brown creates goals than. Um looks to save one or two that's the job of other people uh, in fact it's the job of Jacob Butterfield uh, to an extent um, James is it a surprise that our wins have coincided with him being in the side no <laughs> next <as> that. <laughs> no. would you like to expand on that he's uh, agreed he, he's uh, a, a Rolls Royce sort of a player in the position that he's asked to play rarely gives the ball away first touch is Exemplary. He can stick the boot in. He's got a bit of a niggle about him, which I like. You need that. Um, it's it's just class apart, and that's you know that that's why he was, he's gone for so much money in his in his career before, um, and things haven't worked out in a couple of clubs, and that's how it can work out. And Luton have been the beneficiary of that, getting him in. Um, I think I also mentioned Ryan Tanaka as well. He, he, I think he goes unnoticed a lot, really. He does so much work as well. His energy is relentless. He he is exceptional. So if you have those two in the team, you've got a greater chance of winning games. It looks Tunnicliffe, Pelly, and Butterfield. Mm. You know, um, we certainly look stronger Mm. and and defensively tougher to break down. And and, I agree with you. I think think Butterfield looks a tremendous player. And the thing with the two of them as well, if. uh, taking Pelly out this this conversation for the moment is um, Butterfield can pass the ball between lines and that is such an important um, way of getting up the pitch rather than punting it up the pitch and running after it whereas uh, Tunnicliffe would try and burst through a bit more he, he likes to have the ball at his feet so you've got two different style of players that can break those lines of defence and get through and um you know, when they play, I just feel more confident that there's going to be a result at the end of it. 
Yeah, I was going to say, you, you, you know, we'll look ahead to Bristol City and the other games coming up in a little while, but you'd feel a lot more assured if you see Jacob Butterfield's name on the team sheet, based on what we've seen so far. Mm. The the results speak for themselves. We've won three games, Jacob Butterfield's played with, I think we've lost six and he's not played in, in a I good think deal at, of them. At the moment it seems to be that he physically he just can't do three games in a week at the moment. Um, he just needs to build up to that at the moment because again he's, he's like Izzy Brown over the past two years he hasn't played that much football but where the the guy's got bags of ability and confidence but it, it, it's the experience side of him because he's played most of his playing career in the, at championship level hasn't he and so he knows what it's about and uh, he just looks so good in that defensive midfield Area, which again, when you look back at it, that that's not really where he's played before, is it? But no. Jones has obviously seen something in that role, and he does look like he's the best one to play. It, I think. Yeah, well, I think so. He's, he, he, at the minute, um, the way sort of results are fluctuating, <clears throat> I think he's got to be in the side to try and get that base of results to to push on a little bit. Yeah, and a kind of platform within the team yeah. that the team can build from mm. as well, isn't it? And, and actually, if our fullbacks are going to get up the pitch, you know, you can cover in those areas, can't he? And um, yeah, I think it's a lot of um, respect and admiration for um, Butterfield around this table, and we look mm. forward to seeing him over the next month, that's for sure. Um, James has mentioned a few times social media in this um, podcast, Tony. And one of the debates that was doing the rounds that I noticed prior to the international break was James Collins against Steve Howard. Who's the better? Where would your um, experience lie on this one? <laughs> um, that's a good, interesting debate. Um, you know, both both players are looked at as being big number nines and good in the air and everything else uh, both with phenomenal scoring records yeah. but so much more to their game yeah. than that um, I think the yeah I, I think with, with Howard Howard was a better footballer than people gave him credit for because he actually started as a midfielder and it was basically Luton that put him up front uh, and half decent centre back as well when the yeah, uh, when, he when the need arose and I'm sure James Collins could do that as well if he wanted um, I think they're very similar players obviously played in two different eras I, I think for me I think Collins probably shades it uh, purely for the fact that um, his work rate is phenomenal I'm not saying Steve Howard had a bad work rate, he didn't. But also, um, he's managed to actually get two international caps, hasn't he? I don't think Steve Howard did it. But what Steve Howard has, he, he, he played in the Premier League, where he scored in all four divisions, didn't he? So um, it's an interesting debate, that one. And uh, I think, looking at it, I think uh, Howard scored more goals in the same period as Collins um, he finished off a 90 odd didn't he uh, Howard yeah. I think he sneaked over 100 actually did he I think so yeah. well, maybe maybe I'm wrong maybe it's my memory playing tricks on me you can check that out Kev yeah um, I think it's the I think if you look at the statistics they're, they're both almost sort of like one goal in every one point something games yes but Collins has done it quicker. I think. I think that's where the stats are of it. We need Simon Pitts and in here, didn't he? In fact, I asked Simon Pitts about this on um, uh, my other podcast 
Luton press pass. Uh, and he he straight away said it was Collins. Mm. And I, I can only take the views of other people. My fo- football reporting career came at the tail end of that last championship season, so I can't really judge it so much. I can only go and look at the stats, but I know what I see with James Collins. And it's uh, just an exceptional footballer that's done that has fitted so well with this club. He gave very similar arguments or comments made about the two of them. I mean, I I can remember um, when we won League Two under that Kinnear side, and all the question, although Howard had played in League One um, as a midfielder. It was, oh, can he cut it as a striker in League One? And then when we went to, can he cut it in the Championship? And you have exactly the same argument mm. with Collins. And what is great to see is that both players have gone basically stuck two fingers up. And, you know, I can do it at that level. And they've both, both improved. Yeah. So I, I think it'll be very interesting to see where Collins goes from now. Mm. Um, I think the only thing going in our favour is, um, Collins age maybe some clubs would be reluctant to come in for him mm. but um, at the same time if somebody does and puts in a decent offer at that age of 28 you wouldn't blame him if he took it would you? No he'd have to, he'd have to go. But there's certainly going to be some interest in him I think and again as I said earlier if he gets injured where are our goals going to come from? Mm. Uh, on a statistical point of view in this debate then Steve Howard 103 goals in 228 Luton Town appearances in all competitions Collins 50 goals in 105-ish mm-hmm. so they're not too dissimilar mm-hmm. yeah well, that, that's, now, there's the secret maybe uh, James Collins is secretly a clone of Steve Howard <laughs> well one thing's for sure I think we can both agree that, or in fact all three of us can agree be happy with either in uh, mm. in your number nine shirt right now. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows that us around this table think very highly of James Collins. The thing that I still don't understand is why has he not got a song? <laughs> it's two it's a seasons, yours, two this, seasons in, he's still scoring goals in the championships, proving everybody wrong. Why has he not got a song? I, I, if he had I a song, would your child have been called James Collins? Mm. <laughs> no. I, I, I can't remember a song for Steve Howard either. I've heard Steve I've heard ones mentioned, but they've never caught on. I'd love to ask the maybe that singing section. Why? Why is it never caught, caught on? Why do you not sing about him? I look forward to you asking the question on Saturday when there you uh, go. Is a challenge, when, James. When you got one? Yeah. <laughs> when you've got? I mean, George Moncur has got a song. <laughs> why? Why James Conner's not got a song? It's a good question. Good Answers question. on a postcard. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And any recommendations, by all means, uh, send them into our social accounts and we'll get them circulated and see if they catch on. Um, upcoming games then, chaps. Uh, let's look ahead because this is a tough, tough month between now and the next international break, which may I just add again, right on my nerves, these mm. international breaks keep on coming along far too often and it means I've got to watch England. Um, Bristol City on Saturday. I was, funnily enough, I was looking at stats. Obviously, they're fifth or sixth in the table or something like that. But I was looking at stats for something else that I write. And one of the stats that I look at when I kind of judge football matches is expected goals. And Bristol City is second from bottom on that, which says to me that they convert near enough every chance that they get and they score some pretty spectacular goals. But actually, if we keep them kind of quiet in that, 
department, maybe that's a game we can win. Tough ask. A tough game for us. Um, I think I personally would take a point from that quite happily. Um, it's it's very very difficult to call because they're 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 doing well at the moment, Bristol City, and I, I think we're going to have to be at the top of our game. I'm a bit peed off that I'm missing it, but um, well, I'll, I'll wait until be... after the event before you get too uh, yeah. too annoyed. Because I was a bit annoyed that I missed Derby, and then when the event finished, <laughs> I was cheers. That's a that's a right result. How do you take a point? How do you see it? If you take most seasons, you sort of say by the 10th game, the table starts to level out and you see where teams might be. And if that's the case, then Bristol City are going to be where they are. Or sixth, you say? Yeah, they were there about something. <clears throat> I think it is going to be a tough ask. So I, what you're saying to me is my expected goal is optimism is a load of bollocks, really. Well... That's not, that's not what we're saying. <laughs> you, you keep living for our cookie lemon. <laughs> There's, there does seem to there seems to be a feeling from, just from my part that teams seem to be scoring from nowhere or with their only chance against Luton it just seems like oh, the, the Luton have kept them at bay in goes a goal yeah. uh, and so if they've got that sort of record if they're quite clinical then um, it's going to be a hard ask I always go back to that um, the interview we had on here last season with um, Mecca, mm-hmm. where he said Luton, this the Luton team of last season could compete with anyone in this division. You just just out, just those playoff spots and above. They're in a different league because they've got millions of pounds worth of players. But other than that, Luton can compete. So if that's the case, then you know you look at Bristol City in that position. It's going to be a difficult one. So, yeah, I'd take okay. a point. Okay, so you talk of a difficult one for Bristol City at home. How are we describing Fulham away? On paper, the hardest game in the division. Okay, I know they're replaced below Bristol City. Um, but it was put to me by someone the other week, just to put this fixture next Wednesday into context, that Alexandra Mitrovic will earn more this season than our entire squad, wage-wise. Mm. But they'll be on the same pitch next Wednesday exactly and it's the old adage isn't it? it's 11 versus 11 during that 90 minutes um, it kind of shows the level that we're yeah. up against there, doesn't and, it? and put it this way um, you know it, it, it's tough going to Craven Cottage but I'd rather go there than uh, Wickham yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Again, Wickham do nicer food than Craven Cottage what, 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 why is that you've not, you've not mentioned that for a few months why, why is that well, oh, just everything about Wickham. Just <laughs> everything. I, I've, I've, you know, I don't like Wickham, but the the thing that really put me off Wickham was that um, game on the Boxing Day where we got drenched coming away from the ground, and it's just it's just a horrible place to go to. There's only one way into it, one way out, and you know you could leave five minutes before kick at, at, at the final whistle, and you're still waiting to get away two hours later. You know, so. Uh, and that's without mentioning the brand of football they play and their dickhead of a Okay, man. okay, 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 <laughs> okay enough, enough. <laughs> Sold out anyway, and James, is there any optimism? Yeah, there's always optimism. I mean, they've done you really... You didn't give me too much for the Bristol City game. I just think... That the, well, the expectation is always on the home side, isn't it, if you, if you take that? Um, so 
And Newton have done quite well away. If you just take the black... I'm quite optimistic about for them. Yeah, if you just take the Blackburn game, um, Luton weren't the best side by any stretch of the imagination in that game, but they came away with uh, with the points. So, uh, yeah, it, it could be a case that they sort of take their foot off the gas or Luton just go there and do that sort of number on them again. I think they were better football inside than Blackburn. But uh, well, if they if one player's earning more than our squad, they they should be a better. Yeah, but I, I've Blackburn. heard that um, that Camille Grasicki was at his earning twenty five grand a week, and um, I don't I, he was no great shakes against Hull. I know he was involved in the goals at the end, but we've already discounted those last two goals, haven't we? So, they don't count. Yeah. A lot of these players earn mega money like that. Fine, great, but doesn't mean they play to their full potential in every game, does it? So, you know, it could no, have an true. off night on Tuesday night. That's yeah. true. I, I must admit, I did wish I didn't stumble on the Serbia game on Monday night and see that he scored a couple of goals in that as well. You know, not good. Um, actually, one of the games I'm looking forward to this month, purely from a selfish point of view, because there's a new ground for me and there aren't too many of them these days, is Birmingham away. Uh, we seem to have always played Birmingham in my lifetime on a Friday night and unfortunately I couldn't get there so I'm looking forward to going to this one that a game that we maybe look to get more from than those I'm, first two I'm more optimistic about that game than I am about the other mm. two yeah I'd agree um, because they're they're not that far ahead of us are they and they're they're in that pack and they were, they were one of the teams that were tipped to actually struggle um, no I think we've got a fairly good chance of uh, of actually winning that mm. um, play continental style from what I've seen of them on the box I watched them against Middlesbrough a couple of weeks ago don't normally watch Middlesbrough games but I watched that one very, they've got a Spanish manager mm-hmm. very continental that might suit us actually because mm. we play that kind of way too yeah and again, what was the score against Middlesbrough they won 2-1 last minute very very last minute strange isn't it because I thought I mm. thought Middlesbrough were one of the best sides Luton have played and yeah. they've when gone on a terrible run yeah mm. since that but then they did they, they conceded three goals as well didn't they but uh, no I, I, I was looking at the Birmingham game as one that's very winnable uh, the following game well if you look at the league table it's the toughest of the lot Notts Forest at home may actually be the toughest of the lot I mean they've already gone to Leeds and won uh, sorry Leeds and Drew they've already gone to Swansea got a result I don't, I don't know if it counts much that they went to Stoke and got a result side. I think everyone's doing a that a good side Nottingham Forest um I'm looking game. forward to going to Nottingham yeah. and not driving past that city ground. Well, actually, <laughs> and when to we go went, to the county ground, when we went to um, Notts County for the final game in League Two, we was on the coach and the coaches parked up at Notts Forest, and we actually went in the bar at Notts Forest. They opened a bar there for the Luton fans, and I was standing there. I was like, I'd bloody love to come here for mm. a league game. Eighteen months on, now I'll be doing exactly that. But of course, we've got them at home first. But should be a good game. Yeah. I mean, they like to play football. We like to play football. I think that's a very hard one to call. And uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Forrest got the three points in that game. Mm. Um, not that I want Luton to lose, and I won't like it if they lose. But I don't know. Forrest are one of these these teams. I've, I've always had a, a sneaking respectful 
going back to the Brian Clough Brian Clough, yeah. Um Because they did something that probably would never do, be done before. They came up from the second division, won the title, and then won the European Cup straight away. Yeah, uh, and I've always said that everybody raves about Alex Ferguson being the mess, best manager because of what he's won and what he's achieved. Exactly. And to my way of thinking, taking them from a second-rate second division club to European champions and retaining the European mm. Cup as well um, is a far and he did it at Derby as well not the European Cup but, yeah. you know it, it doesn't always work out if you've got the biggest budget at your disposal but mm. it didn't do so badly for Alex Ferguson that he could basically buy who he wanted yeah um, no greatest respect for, for Forrest even though they've beaten us at Wembley twice in finals mm-hmm. um, I've got a, a lot of respect for them and I've always liked the way they play football mm. having said that I hope we do get three points against them but I'm not going to cry in my sleep if, if we lose the game what are we at now for these predictions like 4.2 oh, you, 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 you haven't given me a game that we can well you said oh, we could Birmingham. win Birmingham sorry Birmingham. Yeah. I'll go 6 points yeah. dear me I hope we're not depressing anyone with um, this prediction <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's the realism now isn't it yeah, last season was fantasy this football this was going to be a hard season and you know we, we've had um, two seasons where we've basically been blowing everybody away playing them off the park not losing a lot of games you know, we knew it was going to be harder this season, and anybody who thinks that we were going to do the same this season, deluded. I was looking yeah. at, I think the, the points you need to stay up in the Championship are sort of around the 50 mark, aren't they, really? Um, so if you divide up what Luton have got so far, they're only sort of not point something off that target. So it's, it's you know, and the league table obviously shows that they're above the relegation. Yeah, the thing as is, well, we're, we're going to, we are going to improve ourselves across the season. Mm. You know, they'll strengthen in January. You know, so I think every possibility is staying up. As I said before, I'll be happy if we finish fourth and bottom one goal difference. Mm. You know, that's, that's the that's, target. That's, that's the thing. The that's the thing you've always got to come back to, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There is going to be an element of realism, and you're going to have to accept and, that and we're going we to get. That there's going beaten. to be a lot more disappointment along the way. Mm. We've got one more match to preview, but uh, just on that, it kind of feels right that actually, yeah, when I was down at the kit sponsors training thing on Monday, uh, I spoke to Graham Jones, or, or rather, Graham Jones came and spoke to um, to me, and he was keen to emphasise to me how important that the support of the Luton fans is going to be uh, over this next month in particular and, and how the players really really need our support so just uh, just a rallying cry really um, mm. our support's been great all season and I'm sure it, it will be for the next month the, the, the thing is it, it, you look around and, and it, there are odd voices that are negative and it's easy to be negative but that's not going to help anybody at all it's not you know um, if a player is having a bad game calling them names and shouting at them how's that going to help them improve it, you know yes there are certain players who don't well I'll show you but most players in my experience will call into their shell and they'll, they'll be frightened they'll be scared yeah I'm, I'm sure get behind them and and support them. I'm sure the boss will reiterate that in his press conference this week uh, but thought I would mention it uh, we can finish on a high I think actually James because the final game before the international break is ready in a way uh, very much the easiest if you look at the league table because they're the one side in the month that we play that are below us in the table albeit they've just sacked their manager but by all accounts employing Mark Owen, uh, Mark Bowen gone down like a lead balloon so um, we might be catching them at a good time that's a game that we could be looking at winning I would have, I would have thought 
Absolutely. Is that his first managerial job? Yeah, he's, he's usually been number two to Mark Hughes, and, Mark Hughes yeah. and they, they, he plays atrocious football. So. Well, when um, they sacked this bloke, because Mark Bowen was the sporting director, whatever one of them is, the odds on Mark Hughes to be the next Reading manager was like shoom, straight in. Yeah. But everyone assumed that that would be. But actually, he's taken the job himself, this Bowen. Make of that what you will. But generally, assistants and managers are cut from the same cloth, aren't they? If you think of Graham Jones, he's very much a Roberto Martinez style. So you kind of think that they would play the same way Bowen and Hughes, wouldn't you? Yeah, and they've been together a long time, haven't they? So no reason. I mean, we just don't know at the moment, do we? Because we've not seen him do anything. Let's hope that he doesn't come in and give them a bit of a a good bump and they go up because... uh, we could do with less of that. <laughs> Redding continue their slump. Stoke get back to the usual losing ways. And uh, and uh, what's the other one? Huddersfield. Huddersfield have got had a bit of an improvement, haven't they, since Cowley's come in? They have. Yeah, it'll be one for the footballing purists down at the Modeski Stadium, though, Tony, because I notice in the Redding squad there's a Pushkas and a Pele. So I'm not altogether sure what we're coming up against, but if it's the Pushkash and the Pele... Pushkas was a bit before my time. We should be. Um, Are you sure? Yeah, just a little <laughs> bit before my time. Um, Pele weren't bad though, by all accounts. No, um, I, I, that's one of the luckiest things I can remember. I mean, the I was twelve years old when the nineteen seventy uh, World Cup final was played, and I do remember it. Um, and I can remember film and games of Pele playing and to my way of thinking um, he was and probably still is the greatest player there's ever been um, he had everything he had everything you know you know you, you, some people argue Maradona well to me Maradona was a great player but he was all left foot yes I know what a left foot but Pele had two feet that were like that and he could head a ball as well um, and he, he could basically play anywhere on the pitch um, I heard that he's got be a debate for uh, he's got a massive goal record hasn't he but I heard a lot of those yeah, were counted he, he as exhibition games he, he never played in Europe uh, like his he, goal he, in he played for, <laughs> he played for New York Cosmos <laughs> along with Beckenbauer yeah. and, and people like that um, and to be honest with you the, the sort of ability that Pele had the only player that I've seen that uh, that's come close to having that sort of ability a level was probably George Best I mean Best you know two-footed but I know I'm digressing now I'm going down memory lane I hope they ain't got looking George looking at the Best smug well. look on your face there Kev yeah. I, I, I hope they ain't got George Best as well if they've got Pele George Best and Pushkas we are in um, for a spot of bother but the, the thing is it's um, you know you've seen those names before and you're sort of like they're nothing like what the original was um, so I, I think that's a very winnable game for us I'll be disappointed if we don't come away from that with three points. Yeah, yeah, I'll have three points there, please. Fingers crossed we're going to an international break off the back of a victory. So that's seven points that you're um, predicting for us for that month. Out of how many games? Five games. That'd do. That's more yeah, than your so point. Seven uh, points yeah, would do, mate. That'd do. Yeah, absolutely. Let's finish off then, chaps, with um, a few more football-wide issues. Um, we're currently in the international break, aren't we? Just at the end of it. And I'm sure we've all watched the scenes that went on in the England, oh, sorry, the Bulgaria against England game on Monday night. 
Tony, I know you don't have any interest in England, but you'll be aware of everything that's. Um, I didn't watch the game. Gone on. I, I didn't. I didn't watch the game, but I'm aware of what happened. So. Um, James, what are your stance? What's your stance on that? I mean, obviously condemnation, absolutely. But I'm interested in the protocols around the game, around the incidents. Um, would it have been better for football if England had have just walked off as yeah. they threatened to do? Uh, how do you see that situation? I think yeah, it would. I think it's still it's still probably going to be a landmark moment. Hopefully, if it's treated right, um, I think the protocols. I'm surprised that they've been around for ten years. I yeah, I'd never heard of the them protocols until of two up to this game. Two steps too many. It shouldn't be. Uh, here's an excuse. You, you can be racist twice, but yeah, third no, time we'll yeah, kick you out. Exactly. It should it's not be baseball. no. It should be. It should be one strike and out. And it's not like that. Uh, some of these teams and some of these nations don't have form for it. it it's a, it's amazing to me why it's still treated so shockingly. You can point to all manner of fines dished out for ridiculous reasons for nothing, and then they're given they're given nothing for racist abuse um which is it should supersede everything uh i saw one example of nicholas bentner and his paddy power pants he got more fined than that for than um most nations do for anything racist now what's more important that he's wearing some paddy power pants or a large section of uh of a support are still in 2019 making monkey noise a black player I mean beyond anything like that the absolute audacity of some idiot from Bulgaria thinking he's better than a bloke that earns tens of thousands of pounds to be an elite athlete and you're paying to watch him the mentality of that that you can stand in in, in anywhere and like try and think that you're better, a better human being than him beyond if he just take skin color out of it he's doing what you would love to do and you're standing in a, a crowd a grown man monkey chanting at somebody ridiculous uh, where do you stand on this one tony um i don't think i, I well i think England did the right thing in, in playing the game. I don't think it would have achieved anything walking off. Um, I think it would probably have made the situation worse. Um, I think England did the right thing staying on there and basically stuffing them. Um, it meant that the, the black players that were getting abused could hold their heads off and come up with a bit of self-respect. Um, and it showed that they'd got support from the people that really mattered to them. Uh, this is one of the areas where, for once, I have some slight sympathy with the football authorities um, and that they're in a situation where they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. Um, it's been raised that they're looking at placing charges against England as well. Um, and I think... The trouble is, I think really they had to do that because they cannot be seen to be acting on one particular issue. They've got to do the whole thing as a full blanket because if, if they just looked at the Bulgaria thing, um, then it would have given the Bulgarians a, 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 an out, an outlet to, to deflect and say, well, what about this? What about that? The fact that they're dealing with it. And I, I, I think, um, they have to follow the full regulations, even though it, 
it's a it's a minor thing and and how in effect can a home team or an away team be held responsible for um, people booing a national anthem having enough stewards there is a is a different thing but you can only go on what authorities in that particular country would advise you to so you don't know the police may have told them you won't need so many stewards we will do with that you don't know the full facts behind it what's um, the boo in the national anthem thing is well, it that's just a bunch of idiots yeah, yeah. It, it is it's a stupid thing but, to do but but to, i don't know if they're i don't know if they're trying to equate them at all but you can't in my mind because a national no, anthem yeah, is just a song mm. a, for, I'm not, I'm for not, a nation which is a social construct I'm, that we've invented know, they're just I'm, made I'm, up things nations i mean it doesn't yeah. you know it's just I, a bit I, of land I that somebody's put a board around i'm not it, it, it is a minor thing, but what I'm saying from the authorities' point of view, they have to deal with everything. What the what the rules are, they have to follow it. Otherwise, they can be accused of favouritism, all sorts of things. So it, 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 you don't know. It, it, it could come to legal action, this, this type of thing. But in this day and age, the whole thing is absolutely ridiculous. Um, the only answer to it in the long run, I think, is probably people need educating. Um, but you that's know, not going to happen. I know. If political leaders are openly racist yeah. and discriminatory, then it feeds down. as well. It's where we are exactly. at the moment. And I think it's kind of a. I, it's right that we call that out when we see it because I think as a nation, we mostly see ourselves as quite. Um, forward thinking in this but we're not really <laughs> no, I, don't, I, I don't think we are at all we're not at all that there's it's all right some english england fans and most england fans are, are perfectly fine and, and good human beings but there are a section of england fans that aren't they're absolute bastards and they yeah. go they go into other countries and it's still this old uh, empire colonialism where they think for mm. some unknown reason that we're just naturally superior to everyone else and they can go into another country and be rude and abusive and throw things and break things and just be general bastards I, I, unfortunately I, I i think there is that within the, the people in this country I mean the classic example with certain people when they go abroad they expect the nat- natives to speak English mm. or they believe that by shouting louder at them they'll make them understand and I think that's something that uh, unfortunately that's within a certain part of the population in this country um, and you, you would, would have thought in this day and age that people would be um, educating and above that sort of thing but you've only got to look around and I'm, I'm not just casting uh, as persons at this particular country but you know you've got people who haven't got a roof over their heads you've got people who are using food banks you've got people across the world who can't afford decent medical care so I I look at it and and sometimes I despair I I, I think in a a civilised society people should be looked after people should have education, people should have health care and I, I, I honestly I don't other than education, I don't know what the answer is because if if you, in a certain sense, if you make it illegal to do that, then that can breed contempt and you know ill feeling can fester and, and these feelings can get worse. You know, my my belief is underneath it all, 
regardless of your skin colour, your religion, where you're from, people are the same. But everybody wants that. You, you want to be able to survive, live to a reasonable standard, and for your kids to be happy and fed. That's what everybody wants, regardless of, of where they're from. Um, and un- unfortunately, uh, in, in that particular area of, of Europe, there always has been... It has been that little bit more prevalent than it has in other areas in Europe. I mean, you, you've only got to look at the... It's only fairly recently that this war's been there, you know, when there's been uh, people killed because of where they're from and their religion and everything. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think in this case with the Bulgarians because as you said their leader but a, a racist I think they need to throw the book at them mm. I really do but I think England the team themselves as I've said they they did the right thing they had the, held their hands up and the hand their heads up I should mean to say and uh, they played the game they stuffed them and they come away with credibility you know, and and that was you know the right answer too. Now, having said that, they've come away with that. Then, as I said, they need the book throwing at them, mm. maybe even banning from international competition. I'm interested in the. Um, Sorry to be on my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested in this walking off the pitch thing. It's if we bring it back to closer to home, because we shouldn't portray the fact that racism is not rife in this country because it is we all oh, saw the social I mean. media posts yeah. that Raheem Sterling that time and, and, and everything else and um, it barely seems a day that you know for it, uh, the, the, a, a big Premier League result happens and one of the black players involved in the game is not socially, uh, social media wise uh, racially abused and of course we're very proud as Luton fans that we have three or four black players in our squad and, and, and in our match day 11 were they to be racially abused, for example, and they took the decision to walk off the pitch, would is that acceptable? Is that the right? Yes, the right. I'd support. You'd support them. that. I'd support them hundred. But you, you shouldn't have to go to work and be abused for something that you have no control over. I mean, it's just ridiculous that uh, just because of the colour of skin, that you you think you could go to a ground. And I don't care if you think, oh, you pay your money to be able to say what you want. No, you've got a, you've got this, a respect element of a fellow human being. You go in there and just like slating a guy because he's black. What the hell is that about? <clears throat> and then I just really don't understand it because if that is genuinely your view, where does that come from? And also, your life must be so boring. Imagine that, going through life and only liking things if it's originated from a white person you wouldn't like any music any culture it all we all come from the same place scientifically we all come human race comes from the rift valley in ethiopia we were all black once it's just a fact that we've migrated to colder climates and if anything white people are the mutation so it's ridiculous that you can only be so selective and go, oh, I'll only look at the well, last... Well, the whole idea of race is, is, is stupid when you look at it. They yeah. are the human rights. Yeah. And it doesn't matter, you know, as you said, what shade your skin is. 
unfortunately there are people around that think you know basically because you might have black skin you're subhuman I'm sure there's people around who think if you know if you've got white skin you know you, you, you're subhuman I mean I, I've known people in the past who've had this I've, I've, I've known quite well a lot I've, I've had arguments with them about um, because they they were extremely racist towards Asians and I used to point out things like you know um, they had advanced civilizations when we were still running around in caves yeah. wearing food, you know, furs and then people like that who who I, I don't eat foreign food I only eat English food well, I love pointing out things to them like you know where potatoes came from <laughs> yeah. and things like that that's you what like, I mean you like pepper don't you you know where that comes from oh you like a cup of tea you know where that comes from then don't you that's yeah. what I mean Look, your life must be your, your life is either so so boring because everything you do is uh, is I only do English things yeah. there's very few of those that yeah. haven't been influenced by other parts of the world yeah. or you're a massive hypocrite we're a pretty boring nation yeah. it, 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 I'll just throw that question to you Tony would you support our players if they chose to walk off the pitch in that situation um I think probably yes, because they were the innocent parties in all this, and whatever action they did, I would have supported them. But having said that, the action in itself, like I said, they did the right thing playing the game and basically shoving it up the Bulgarians, basically. Um, I, 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 I did... The trouble with this, I'm looking at, I think this situation, it opens up just a massive can of worms, doesn't it? Whichever way. And I don't think you, you, you're going to get a, a, a really good resolution. I mean, one of the things that, as I said, I, I to me, football was better in the 70s and the 80s. Um, and I think everybody says that with a bit of nostalgia. But I can remember um, going to games where, you know, racism was pretty rife and um, there wasn't the laws and everything governing it now and you'd actually see supporters you know doing monkey chants and shouting at opposition black players and I'd be scratching my head looking at you but we've got two black players in our team well, that was the stupid yeah. thing. Bulgaria yeah, exactly, had a black yeah. player playing at centre half. Oh, no, playing at centre half. Oh, no, I can remember in seventies when when Luton played. I think we had nine black players on the pitch. You know, and we 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 used to get it then. And and I looked at it, and every single one of those players, you know, they were good players of the good side. And 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 and, and I agree with to James to a certain extent that nobody should have abuse in their workplace at all. But unfortunately, it, it, it's it's one of those things where um, football's at the pinnacle and it's easy targets for people. And unfortunately, it's one of the ways that these certain sections have of trying to get their misguided and absolutely reprehensible views across is to do that. You know, I, I, I'm just... And, and the, like I said, the idea of judging somebody on their skin colour is fant- it, it, it's just unbelievable. I mean, I've always said, you know, you, you guys know my family background. I come from a big Irish family. Both my parents came from Dublin. So, and, and we I don't hold that. Against no, no. You. <laughs> so I, I feel sorry for you guys. You didn't. <laughs> um, but I can see certain 
differences between that up upbringing and culture with um, what's regarded as a typical English upbringing. And I've often felt that getting to know people from the West Indies and in particular people from Jamaica and going into their homes, it was like going home. It was like walking into my nan and my granddad's because the attitudes and everything were exactly the same. And that's a cultural thing. It's nothing to do with skin colour. So that, that, that's what formulated my beliefs that people are people. Mm. That's a good discussion. Uh, I mean, obviously it's something that as football fans we should uh, regularly discuss when it's in the spotlight because it's something that needs to be stamped out. But also we brought it up because this Friday is show racism, the red card day. Uh, the Luton Town players are getting involved in that with regards to Saturday's game. Fantastic initiative that we should all be proud of the fact that they're getting right behind. And of course, there is um, Kick It, the Kick It Out campaign, and many other campaigns that are doing fantastic work that we wholeheartedly support on this podcast and welcome. Uh, all the changes that they can influence into the way that we watch our football. Yeah, I think it's kind of uh, yes, what you said. Everything agree with. It's kind of sad in the first place that those organisations have to exist at all. Mm. You know yeah. what? You, what you shouldn't have to have an organisation to tell you not to be no, uh, not to be a prick to somebody. I agree, um, but you know we we really support the uh, the excellent work that they do. Um, speaking of excellent work, Tony, uh, I think we can, um, as a trust, blow our own trumpets a little bit. Uh, we promised that we would bring members more exclusive benefits, and we are starting to do so. We ran a competition with our members for a couple of um, tickets to the Leicester game competition that went down uh, well we had fantastic response and the um, tickets were given out and we've also recently arranged with the club for um, 10 members to go down and watch the players train at the kit sponsors training session Monday just gone uh, again another um, thing that went down really well with the people that attended and we'll be looking to do that more and more between now and the end of the season as we try and bulk up that that membership benefits package that the ten pound that you pay is is increasing in value mm. um there's yeah it's good i mean the uh the the trust board and and um the underlying subcommittees we've got some really good hard working people on those committees uh and we're heading in the right direction we we work very closely as we've always said with 2020 and through working that closely with them we we get these benefits to pass on to people the training day has been a huge success um and hopefully we'll be able to do this you know more of these events uh, over the coming months um you know it and and that ideas or these ideas that come up with they don't just purely come from the trust as well because as i said we work quite closely with 2020 they often um will say well why have you thought about doing this or have you thought about we could improve it this way and, and, and actually give us um additional benefits which is, which is fantastic uh because the, the whole drive is to increase the membership of the trust and give those members um these additional benefits and and what we're trying to work towards is um how we can get involved with power court when that construction finally starts on the new ground and we've got to look at ways and means um 
as not just as as, as a, a trust membership base, but as a supporter base of how we're going to support and help protect that ground going forward over the coming years um, so that we don't end up in, you know, a Chester situation or, you know, um, Bolton or, or, or Berry, um, where the ground can be sold out from underneath the club and the, the club are not getting the benefit of the stadium. Um, so we're going to be looking at ways to do that. But the only, the only way we can be an effective trust is through having membership. Um, although we act, um, on behalf of all supporters as, as, as a trust, we're not beholden to all the supporters of the club. We're only beholden to our members. Um, so if you're a supporter of the club and you want more of these benefits and you want to get more involved, take up trust membership. It, it, it's a pittance really over a season. It's it, it's ten pound yeah, a year, fifty p a game, isn't it? Less exactly. than fifty p a game. You know, and it and it means it gives us more bargaining power with twenty twenty. They want to work with us. I mean, we we continue to have our after board meetings with them when the board of twenty twenty have met, and they uh, fill us in. They let us know what's going on at the club. We had one fairly recently, and um, it's all good news. Um, you know, it's fair to say that I think um, as a football club, being in the championship, it's happened probably a, a season sooner than they thought it would, which is fantastic. Um, but now is such an important time for us all to pull together and go in the right way. And just get behind the trust, join the trust, and that way you're helping the club. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you do want to join the trust, uh, you can do so on our website. Um www.lutontownsupporterstrust.com obviously and um, to our membership team will do the necessaries once you've filled out the form and um, paid you £10 Tony, James, it's been good uh, catching up once again um, thank you for all the debates that we've gone through on this um, nice podcast to be back. <laughs> nice to have you back uh, very uh, some some very lively debates there which hopefully people will enjoy we'll reconvene uh, next month probably during the next international break but we hope to bring you another episode of the podcast with a couple of players between now and then but until next month gents enjoy the five matches and the football that it brings and uh, well hopefully we exceed your seven points um, predictions thank you cheers Kevin.